Hello there, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham back from vacation here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPEL. It is an honor to be back with you guys. Last week, a very much needed week off. Uh, went with some family to the beach. There was about 10 of us in a condo in Orange Beach, Alabama. It was an enjoyable time, but I am glad to be back and talking with all of you here today. 232-1542 if you want to call in a little later in the show, but there is a lot to go over just for today, not to mention all the stuff that I missed last week. I'm going to try to get to some of it, uh, get caught up this week, but we're really at a time politically where everything is moving so fast. I mean, we're, we're in the summer right now, so at this point, uh, statistically what we've seen in the past eight midterm cycles or so, by June 1st, voters' decisions for November are pretty much locked in as to whether or not they're going to go with the party in power or not. And the numbers for the Biden administration, the numbers for the Democrats don't look good right now. Uh, Joe Biden's national approval rating is at 39.8%, according to Real Clear Politics. You break it down by issue. On the economy, he's averaging 33.6% approval. On immigration, 35.5%. On foreign policy, 39%. On the coronavirus, he's actually above water at 50.3%. Overall, an average of 22.7% of Americans think the country is headed in the right direction. Now, cynically, you and I can both say, who are the 22.7% of Americans who think we're on the right track? And I grant you that. But look at, I mean, consider the baked-in party identification that goes along with this. 227 is still really low. What happened? Well, the Democrats are, are dying a death by a thousand paper cuts, basically. The Biden agenda is dead in the water when it comes to the Senate. They got the American Rescue Plan passed. They got a bipartisan infrastructure bill passed. passed. But everything else is dead in the water. The far-left progressives that hijacked the party turned around and alienated the very much needed moderate, more centrist votes in the Senate, Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, And there are others, by the way, who just don't get the media coverage, but who were really thankful Manchin and Cinema have been taking the public, uh, the, the, the public pushback from the far left because they are likewise very concerned about the far left's push uh, on the Democratic Party pushing them further left. But the, the far left hijacked the party. They have pushed the Democratic Party overall further and further left on economic and social cultural issues. Biden's numbers are tremendously low. Some of it, if we're being totally honest, some of it is just bad luck, bad timing for Joe Biden. He came in at probably the worst time that a president could come in. The problem is... Every problem we were already going to face is worse. For example, the American Rescue Plan is not the only money that just fed into the American economy. Remember, there was coronavirus aid that came out under Donald Trump. Also know that the interest rate was kept artificially low by the Fed during Trump's term. And in fact, Trump, and I will say quite foolishly, was publicly bullying the Fed to keep the interest rates low. Now, why is that important? Because when the interest rate goes up under normal circumstances, it's a sign that the economy is doing better. So while 
Wall Street and the stock market might not like the interest rate going up and they do dip down a bit. Ultimately, it's a sign for the health of the economy. Donald Trump wanted to keep it low. Now, Donald Trump's intentions were relatively pure in that he wanted to keep the good times going for the American public. He actually wanted people to continue to have money in their wallets and money in their bank accounts. But you need the inflation rate to not be artificially low because that does lead to inflationary problems. However, the Biden administration came in, immediately pushed for a massive trillion dollars big bill that just shoveled more money into the economy. And even Democrats like Larry Summers, an economic advisor for Barack Obama and Bill Clinton, came out and said, this is a bad idea. And they got excoriated by the left for it. But look what happened. Inflation in America is far outpacing global inflation. Now, that's one of the Biden administration's talking points that what well, we see inflation all over the world, but not as high and not as severe as the inflationary spike in the U.S. because of our own policies. What else is happening? Energy costs. Biden is sending his team to go talk to the energy industry. Sorry, struggling with words. Um, but he's sending his team to talk to the energy industry because he says, well, they're raking in all this money, but they're not investing in uh, new refinement. Do you know why? Because the Biden administration continues to enforce regulations that make it not profitable. When Biden came into office, he came in on the vow that he was going to shut down the fossil fuel industry. That's not me putting words in his mouth. He said that during a debate. The answer is yes. Yes, we are going to go after them. And the Biden administration put in a bunch of environmental regulations that made it impossible to turn any sort of profit. They then went after Wall Street and said, you better not invest in the Keystone Pipeline and Anwar and these other drilling and, and oil projects. And Wall Street pulled their investments out. And then the oil company said, well, we don't have the money for investments. We can't do it. And so the importing of oil from the Keystone XL pipeline, development of uh, oil production in Anwar, the, uh, the Arctic National Wildlife Reserve in Alaska, that's all stopped. And yes, Putin declaring war on Ukraine has disrupted the global energy market and has disrupted the global food market. But all of the problems were clearly visible before Putin's war in Ukraine. And the Biden administration has left that talking point in the sand, and now they're blaming the oil companies. Now they're blaming Republicans for inflation. They cannot accept responsibility that it's their policies that are causing all of these issues. There's a possibility of another baby formula shortage. The Abbott facility shut down again a few days ago because of flooding issues. And yet after the first baby formula shortage that we saw not too long ago, the Biden administration, knowing full well that their own regulations keeping European baby formula out of the U.S. market helped create the problem we saw, did nothing to lift those regulations. So another formula shortage could be on the way. And gasoline prices are up. Grocery prices are up. Prices on just about any goods are up right now. 
and families are worried. Families who are now all home, the kids are at home, so the grocery bills are higher because they're not at school for a third of the day. Summer activities, paying for summer camps, things like that. All of a sudden, you have those questions that are now up in the air, whether or not the families can afford to do that, whether or not they can afford to go on vacation or they have to limit what they do while they're on vacation. All those questions are in the air. People are hyper aware during the summer of these economic problems. They're not paying attention to the day-to-day politics. The ratings for the January 6th hearings prove that Americans are tuning out. In fact, there's a piece at uh, the Associated Press. How many people are watching the January 6th hearings? That's not quite the best question to ask. Instead, it's the slicing and dicing of the clips that matter. The people sharing the clips from those hearings are already left-wing blue checks that are hyper-aware of this, but nobody else in America is buying into it. The Biden administration is leading the Democrats to death by a thousand paper cuts. There are multiple ways the Democrats are facing defeat in November. 232-1542. We're going to take a break. When we come back, your calls and more on all this here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. And joining us on the line now is Pam. Pam, how are you today? I'm just fine, and you? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, well, I made about 30 phone calls last week for two days, <laughs> calling my senators and congressmen from all over. Doesn't matter if they're a Democrat or a Republican. Mm-hmm. Seems to be that we're missing what they call depth, diesel exhaust fluid. Mm-hmm. It's required in every diesel engine, from a pickup truck to an 18-wheeler to the tractor in the field to the skid loader to the generator. And apparently what I'm reading anyway from the trucking industry is they know that Joe Biden has their his boot on their throat and that he's taken away. He's not going to produce or get us the supplies we need. This stuff is made out of the same thing that fertilizer is made out of. Mm-hmm. Without it, we shut down. You know, that, that's a that's a great point in the fact that Joe Biden is doing everything he can. Now, he's out there today. He's publicly decrying the energy sector in not refining and not producing more oil and gasoline because it's affecting his poll numbers. He's very upset about this. He's very upset at the fact, well, the energy industry is is worried that they're going to be caught flat-footed whenever there's a big push for green energy. I don't know why they're not producing now. You can't just turn off and on the gasoline switch, quite literally. You have to drill for the oil. You have to be able to get to the land leases that are not being utilized because of the environmental regulations out there. You have to be able to then take that oil and refine it. Do you know the Obama, I mean, the Biden administration is limiting the ways you can transport oil and gasoline and liquid natural gas across the country? They're making it difficult at every turn to get and produce the energy that we need. So it's no wonder that whether it's diesel, whether it's your regular uh, gasoline, whether it's your premium gasoline, whether it's oil itself, whether it's any petroleum-based product, it's no wonder that prices are going up. The Biden administration has repeatedly put 
its foot on the throat of the energy sector. And I use that I use that phrase deliberately. Remember when the BP oil spill, the, the Gulf Water Horizon oil spill happened in the Gulf during Obama's term. And Obama said, I need to know uh, whose throat to put my foot on or something like that. He, he very deliberately used that imagery to say he's going to go after these people. He's going to go after the energy industry. And that has carried over into the Biden administration. They are going after the energy sector. They actually want higher fuel prices. They're just upset that it's hurting them so negatively in the polls. They don't get it. And that's why that's one of the many reasons Democrats are screwed come November. It's all of these economic policies, it's all of these energy policies, and it's the social policies. You have Van Jones, who used to work for the Obama administration, who's on CNN over the weekend talking about the crazy language being used by white progressives, Latinx. Van Jones at very hilariously said, I don't know, I don't know any Latinx people. And he's right. There is nobody in the Hispanic community who identifies as Latinic. They are Hispanic or Latino at the broadest sense, but they often identify by the actual point of origin of their family. Are they Cuban American? Are they Mexican American? Are they Brazilian American? Whatever. They identify that way. They are not Latinx. They don't go by this socially created term by white progressives that's meant to uh, be for everybody because Spanish is a gendered language, but you can't have gendered anything where the left is concerned. And this push for the, the trans inclusion in every part of your life, despite the fact that most Americans are starting to push back against that. And these social issues are pushing Hispanic voters to the GOP. And the economic issues are keeping black voters at home. They're not switching to the GOP, but they are just staying home in November based on the numbers we're seeing right now. The Democrats have hurt themselves at every single turn here. And as a result, they are facing an Armageddon level event for their party. They are looking at the pot and, and this is a realistic possibility. Most of the media and most of the people looking at the polls right now are downplaying it a bit because there's still a lot of time between now and November. But if the numbers hold up, if the numbers stay the way they are or worse, when we get that next quarter of information in and we see another slowed economy in the next quarter and that officially puts us into a recession, things just get worse. You're looking at a decade or more that the Democrats find themselves in the minority because they did not know how to handle the power that they were given by the American voter in November 2020, in November uh, 2018. They did not know how to win that. They did not know how to use the power or why Americans gave them the power in those two elections. It is a near, I won't say extinction because there's no permanency in, in, in American politics. There is no permanent political majority at any point. But you are looking at an Armageddon level event where the Democrats have no bench. There is nobody behind Joe Biden right now that can come back 
and be the next leader of the Democratic Party right now? Who are they going to go with? Chuck Schumer is an utter disaster. Nancy Pelosi is flirting with retirement every election cycle. Kamala Harris is more unpopular than Joe Biden, and she's not even in the news. Pete Buttigieg has apparently disappeared again. Nobody's seen him in a while. I don't think they've had another baby boy at his household, but he's he's just off the front pages again. He's nowhere to be seen. The Democrats have no national bench and they have no prospects for saviors. Uh, no, 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 no prospects for saving themselves come November. And as a result, they're looking at this Armageddon level event. Now, the good news for the Democrats is that the Republican Party is more than capable of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. And I want to tell you why in the next segment. There is a new era of McCarthyism coming, or actually it's already here in the Republican Party across the country, and I want to talk about that. I want to talk about why Republican leadership across the country is going to hurt Republicans more than help. And I want to do that and take your calls here on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL 232-1542. If you want to join in, be part of the conversation. And joining us on the line is Warren. Warren, how are you today? Hey, man, what's going on? Not much. Just blessed to be back. Man, I don't think there's no way in the world we're going to have some elections. The last election, there was no way it was free and clear. I think they've been cheating for a long time, but the last election... They went all in, and they didn't go this far. All the money that was stolen to give it up, you know, at the end of the year when we have elections, I don't think they could. Something's going to happen. Obama got 2,500 gallons of propane and walls all around his compound, so I believe something's coming. You know, I've heard some people say that, but I, I, it is so incredibly difficult to wholesale up and cancel or even steal an election on the scale that would be needed to save the Democrats. Because you'll recall, as much controversy as there is about the presidential election in 2020, the Democrats actually did very poorly down the ballot. If you, you would think that if they were going to steal an election, they were going to make sure that the entire way from the top of the ballot all the way down to the bottom, that they're going to steal the whole thing. But they didn't. They couldn't. And there's no president on the ballot in this cycle. I don't think you can get away with that many different races across the country trying to steal this because we are a highly technological society. If there really is some massive theft effort, there's a text message that's going to leak. There always is. I mean, even the Supreme Court is not safe from leaks at this point. But the Democrats know this and they know that they can't really pull this kind of thing off. And that's why they're going all in trying to make this all about January 6th. And they're trying to make this all about the Republicans are racists and bigots. And they're going back to the, the, to the same playbook they've been using for decades now. Because they know they're not going to be able to really save themselves. They're going to have to mitigate. Remember, back when George H.W. Bush was in office, he made his no new taxes pledge and then immediately raised taxes. And what did the rest of the Republican Party do? They ran against their president. And it actually saved a lot of their seats. It didn't keep them from being massively hurt in those midterms, but it did kind of hold off the bleeding a little bit. The Democratic Party 
Even Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema aren't going to that point, despite how unpopular Joe Biden is right now. They're not running against their own president. They're not running against the president's priorities, his agenda, anything like that, because they all believe in it. And they cannot forswear any of that or else the far left base is going to come after them and put a real serious challenge to their party. So they have to try to besmirch the Republicans as much as possible. And they're not going to be able to pull anything off on that one. They're just not. 232-1542, if you want to call in and be part of the program. Now, I, I need to jump gears a little bit, shift gears just a little bit. Because as much as the Republicans, or as much as the Democrats are ready to lose in November, the Republicans are just as likely to screw this up. Now, let me explain. In the 1950s, we had the McCarthyism movement, which was uh, Joseph McCarthy in Congress publishing this list of enemies, and he said they were communists, and he, he took advantage of the, the, the fears of the USSR and everything and created this big panic about communists having infiltrated every aspect of American society. We're not seeing that right now, but we are seeing a new type of McCarthyism. And it follows Kevin McCarthy in the U.S. House of Representatives. Now, if you've, if you've been listening to me for any amount of time, you know that I am no fan of Kevin McCarthy. McCarthyism as it stands right now is the movement by Republican leadership to do everything they can to snub the conservatives in their party and retain power for themselves. McCarthy, back in 2016, back in 2016, McCarthy wanted to be the Speaker of the House when uh, John Boehner stepped down. And instead, uh, he suddenly withdrew his name, and in a panic, uh, the Republicans went to Paul Ryan and said, look, you got to be it. We've got nobody else. In the background in Washington, D.C., was a very open secret. Kevin McCarthy was apparently having an affair with uh, North Carolina Representative Renee Elmers. And Elmers actually ran for Congress again uh, in the primaries that were in North Carolina a few weeks ago and lost. She didn't even make it to the general election. But McCarthy essentially sacrificed her career for his own when Paul Ryan stepped down as speaker, retired from Congress. Uh, McCarthy stepped in. There was no other challenger. McCarthy became the leader of the Republicans in the House. But McCarthy's not a conservative. Uh, in the state of California, he is working on using his power and influence to install his friends and allies in seats of power in California Republican politics so that he can maintain his support, his uh, power structure in California. He's doing the same in the U.S. House of Representatives. And it's kind of trickling down. That kind of uh, Republican leadership style is trickling down in more ways than we've ever seen before. We're no stranger to it here in Louisiana. But Clay Schecksneider is very clearly a part of this problem. He is actively undercut conservatives in his own uh, caucus. Remember, uh, there was that little scandal about him hiring his, his, his son, his son-in-law, whatever, to redo the apartments uh, that the legislature uses. And he has got two apartments there and, and redid one of them to basically be a seating area or a waiting area, someplace that he has lunch with, uh, weekly lunches with different Republican members of the caucus in Baton Rouge. Well, the problem is he holds those weekly lunches 
at the same time that the House Republican delegation held its weekly lunches, he was undercutting the primary Republican meeting of the week time after time, because that's the the meeting where all the complaints about his leadership were being aired. He was undercutting conservatives. He routinely gave positions of power on committees to Democrats that he basically owed favors to for getting him to be the speaker in the first place. Remember, he didn't have conservative support. He had moderate Republican and Democratic support, and that's how he became the Speaker of the House in Baton Rouge. He is looking to use his power to become lieutenant governor or some other statewide elected position in the state. That's what Sheck Snyder wants. He wants more power. He wants more influence. But he doesn't want to actually be a conservative Republican in one of those positions. He just wants the power and the fame. He's been a horrendous leader for the Republicans in Baton Rouge. He's a redneck Kevin McCarthy. Basically. Same thing in Georgia. David Ralston is the speaker in Georgia and does the same thing. He undercuts conservatives, kills their bills, removes them from committees, and actually uses his friends and allies to fund challenges to conservatives so that he can get moderate Republicans that support him in the Georgia General Assembly. And you see it across the country. It's not just Louisiana. It's not just Georgia. It's all over. Republican leadership thanks to examples like John Boehner and like Kevin McCarthy, have ruined leadership for Republicans across the country. So at a time when all of the signs point to an actual conservative movement that can get things done in America, that can win political battles, you have the McCarthys and the Sheck Snyders and the Ralstons and the others across the country that are undercutting the actual conservatism so they can maintain the status quo, also they can maintain their own power and influence in politics. It's disgusting and it's shameful. Now, apparently somebody in Donald Trump's orbit sees what's happening because Donald Trump endorsed Kevin McCarthy, but then came back and walked some of it back and said, I endorse him for his reelection. I'm not talking about the speakership. That's key. If Donald Trump is wary of Kevin McCarthy being speaker, despite the fact that Kevin McCarthy has very publicly bent the knee, vowed to uh, be Trump's biggest supporter and ally, and has done so much publicly to kiss Trump's rear end, and Trump's like, I'm not so sure about this guy, that's a big deal. And hopefully that means somebody else feels empowered to come and challenge Kevin McCarthy, because the Republicans desperately need an actual leader, not an ideological void that has not found a fence he can't sit on. That's who Kevin McCarthy is. That's who Clay Snyder is, an ideological void that has assumed leadership in the Republican Party. And Republicans and conservatives have to, can do better. It's vital that they do that. 232-1542. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, a friend of mine is leaving the state legislature, and I need to explain why he is so controversial and what it means for the legislature. That and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. By the way, you can follow me on social media at Joe P. Cunningham on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and Email me, joe at redstate.com. Also, if you go to kpel965.com right now, you'll see that I have just posted 
the show notes. So all the stuff I talked about today and some links to some must-reads of the day, you can find all that in the show notes. I'm going to try to post that every day on kpel965.com. So even if you miss the show, you can find the stuff that I've talked about on the day. And as always, you can go check out the podcast version of the show. If you go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Listen to it there and check out the show notes on kpel965.com. 232-1542. We've got a few minutes left in the day if you want to call in. Also a programming note, I'm not leaving when this hour is done. I'm going to be here for the next two hours filling in uh, for uh, Brandon and Shannon on Offsides. Mark and I will be filling in as the boys are out today. We'll be discussing all sorts of fun things coming up on Offsides uh, here at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. So some of y'all know, if you've listened to Moon, you've read Scott McKay, The Hayride, whatever, you know who Louis Bernard is. He is state rep- uh, state senator from uh, Natchitoches. I've known Louis Bernard pretty much all my life. I'm from Natchitoches. I've known Louis for a long time. I, I uh, was surprised to see him jump in to a state legislative race when he did, but it was interesting to see nonetheless. Now, I have a great amount of respect for Louis. I know that a lot of conservatives don't like him because of the votes he took, especially during the veto override session last year. I want to give a defense of Louis. He's announced his retirement. He's, he's not pursuing reelection in Natchitoches again. Um, redistricting has kind of changed the way that district looks. And Louis is, he's had his term. He's good with it. He's, he's, he's done. He took a beating from pundits across the state over his vote. Uh, Jeff Sadow actually has a column at the Hayride today on Louis and his retirement, just uh, how bad his votes were in that veto override session. I know Louie, and I know the the voting base of Natchitoches. And Louie is a Republican in a district that has a lot of Democrats, particularly black Democrats. During the veto override session, Clay Sheck Snyder and Paige Cortez were not whipping up the votes whatsoever. They were not in any way actually trying to win that veto override session. There were good conservatives in the legislature who were, but there was an absence of leadership. And in that absence of leadership, Louie, I'm willing to bet, I haven't talked to him about it, but I'm willing to bet knowing him and knowing Natchitoches, in the absence of leadership in the House and in the Senate, Louie looked to his community and he looked to what the voters of Natchitoches, one of the voters of Natchitoches were hesitant about bills like the constitutional carry bill. And so he voted with what his voters actually preferred. And he gets a lot of crap about it. And I, I disagreed with his votes, but I understand it. And I've gotten yelled at by conservatives when I've defended Louie to him. In the absence of Republican leadership, Louis actually did the right thing for his community. Was it the right thing for the state? I don't think so. But it was the right thing for a politician to represent his community. And he's taking a verbal beating for it. And he's stepping down. Now, in the process, meanwhile, you need to know that that actually does mean something extraordinary could come out of the new districts around there. 
as much as people will say that Louis was a rhino, what we now see is the candidacy of Alan Seaball to represent that area. Reapportionment has put Seaball into a district where he can now run for the Senate because he's term limited out of the House. He can run for the Senate in a district that covers 10 parishes, but most of Natchitoches Parish is involved in that district. And Seaball is a very good conservative and would be great in representing not just Natchitoches, but that area. Sabine Parish, Bossier Parish, Caddo. Uh, there's a lot of good that can come from somebody like Alan Seaball representing that part of the state. And I hope that ends up being the case. And as mu again, as much as he's taken uh, of a verbal beating from, from conservatives across the state, I really do wish Louie very well because uh, I, I wish him well in whatever he decides to do. Louie is a good man. Um, he's not the, he, he was not and, was, and I did not expect him to be the most conservative guy there, but he was a very thoughtful guy who looked at what his community, he was very community oriented, wanted to represent his community very well. And yes, I think he made the wrong votes in last year's veto override session, but he was a good man who did not deserve the, uh, the hate and invective that was thrown at him by conservatives across the state. I understand their anger, but he didn't deserve that. It was the absence of Republican leadership. That's what I was saying in the last segment. This Republican leadership that has no ideological underpinning whatsoever causes things like that last veto override session to happen. And because of that, Republicans failed to override the vetoes of some key issues that they were really hoping to get across the finish line. And yes, while some folks like Louis Bernard were the votes that, ha that caused that to happen, it was the fact that leadership could not be bothered to approach these Republicans and say, we really need you on board with this. The fact that Republican leadership ignored their duty as leaders that made that happen, that made that veto override session fail. So Godspeed to Louis Bernard in his retirement from the legislature. Uh, I hope that Senator Alan Seaball becomes a thing in that part of the state. I will be thrilled for it. And in the meantime, I'm going to take a 23-hour break from this show and be back tomorrow. Be sure you catch everything online, including the show notes on kpl965.com. But stick around. Offsides is coming up, and Mark and I will be conversing together and with y'all on that. We'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show tomorrow at 3 o'clock, right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.